The scripture reading this morning is Acts chapter 26, verses 9 through 18. I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the saints in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time, I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished, and I tried to force them to blaspheme. In my obsession against them, I even went to foreign cities to persecute them. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, O king, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. Then I asked, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your own feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen of me and what I will show you. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that you may receive forgiveness of sin and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. This is the word of the Lord. That's a good word uh, about our church and... uh, now I'm self-conscious, like you weren't just doing that for me and Deanna too, but uh, good, good word, and thank you for taking it out there. That's really what we're talking about this morning. As you know, our theme for this year is fanning the flame. Uh, it's based on a passage in 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 8. Go on and go to the next one. For this reason, I remind you to fan the flame, fan into flame the gift of God, for the Spirit of God gave us not a, excuse me, for, the, for God gave us, let me start over, Wow. I was just so moved by your, okay. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. For the Spirit of God, the Spirit that God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. I obviously need to master that even more myself. I think that's significant that we're talking about our theme Today, uh, when you study Acts chapter 2, you learn about Pentecost, and it is Pentecost Sunday, which I mentioned earlier on. And it talks about, in in verse 4, about how the disciples had these flames that that looked like tongues of fire upon their mouths, and it it settled upon them, and they were filled with the Spirit, and they began to preach. And then the account that follows is Peter preaching the first sermon of the church, and it's powerful, it's very basic, uh, in the way that this sermon is very basic this morning. He basically told the story of Jesus as you journey through Acts 2. He talks about how Jesus was God's only begotten son, how he was betrayed, crucified, died, buried, and then rose again. And it said that the people were pierced to the heart, and they said, what should we do? And he said, repent and be, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of of your sins. So Peter told the very basic story of Jesus straight up. Now, three times in the book of Acts, Paul shares about Jesus, but he doesn't just focus straight up on the story of Jesus, but rather Paul's own story with Jesus. 
in a testimonial fashion, shares how Jesus brought him grace, changed his life, transformed everything about him, brought him eternal life. And the last time he does this, he shares with a group that includes a governor and a king, and it's what was read just a moment ago by Meg. Uh, Governor Festus hears that Paul is in prison, has been there for about two years, and then he hears that King Agrippa is coming for a visit, and he knows that King Agrippa is really intrigued by Paul and these Christians and what they're about. And so basically, Festus brokers a meeting between Paul and King Agrippa, along with a large audience, we think. So what does Paul do? He shares about Jesus, but even more, he shares his own story about having experienced Jesus. And he's already done that twice in a very public fashion, and he does it this third time. Because Paul knew the power of story. Obviously, Jesus did. Jesus used stories all the time. But Paul learned the power of telling his personal story of his experience with Jesus, not just about Jesus' life and death and resurrection, but how it impacted him. Now, you and I have been blessed by hearing from people with powerful stories right here, even sharing in this place. I think of Jeff Struker, you might remember, of of Black Hawk Down fame, who's featured in the movie, and he shared about how God was with him, even in that most frightening of moments over in Mogadishu. I think of Barry Black, uh, chaplain of the Senate, who dealt with racism issues, but how he overcame that. I think of our dear brother Ralph Garth. Listen to his testimony. I love to have him come to Sanford and share with students in my class, because they're just riveted. And they hear about him being a heroin addict and drug pusher for 25 years, and then God turning his life around in an amazing fashion. I think I'm a man, Brian Bonds, right back there, who shares in such a powerful way, a joyful way, a courageous way, about how he's dealing with a little health issue, but does he let it get the best of him? Absolutely not. And we're inspired by you, Brian, on a regular basis. I apologize, because I know you didn't know I was going to do that, but there you go. Deal, it, deal with it, live with it, embrace it. Okay. And then hearing good things like the words from Jenny this morning, how she was graced by, by serving God and actually using one of these cards, you know, going out there and doing some kind of a wonderful, nice act of kindness and sharing about what Jesus means to her. And even her four-year-old does that. And I want to talk about that for just a moment. You know, you, you might say, well, if I had a story like Ralph Garth's, you know, if I had a story like uh, Chaplain Barry Black or the Apostle Paul, I'd share it all the time. I guarantee you I would, but mine's kind of bland and boring and very mundane. Well, why would you want to tell anybody? Should you tell anybody? Well, sure. Why should you share your story with Jesus on a regular basis, even if it seems uncomfortable or a little bit bland or non-eventful? You've got to realize it's not an obligation. It's a gift. It's a gift, and that's the first thing I would want to say is that, that, that to do so is simply the greatest of gifts. Let's look at two passages that are very common. Let's go to Romans six twenty three. Many of you have this memorized, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ephesians 2, 8, many of you know that. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. I love how the word gift is mentioned in both of those. But you know, a gift is really only a gift if it is received and accepted and celebrated. You know, if I gave you for your birthday a, 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 a card, you know, where you could go to a restaurant, you know, some gift card. But if you put it on a shelf and never use it, it's, it's really not a gift. It's worthless unless you take it and celebrate it uh, for what it was given for. 
And you've got to use it. And, and, and I want to encourage you and I to realize what a gift it is to in some way, shape, or form, however loudly or softly we do it, we need to share our stories of Jesus with us out there in the world. So I want to encourage you to share your grace along the journey. Uh, we always uh, initial it here each Sunday. We'll say, you know, I'll email all the staff at the church and I'll say, Jenny Franks is doing GATJ uh, this week. And I want to encourage you to do that And if you haven't heard about this already, I've asked the Sunday school teachers to do this, at least through the summer months. I'd like to ask that in Sunday school each Sunday, and I don't want to take up too much time, but but if you could just offer up to three minutes for someone each uh, time at Sunday school to share their grace along the journey. That gives each of us practice time to share about how God has graced us. It doesn't even have to be three minutes long. It can be 15 seconds long, which I'll talk about in a minute. But it can be about how God graced you initially when you came to know him personally. It can be a way that someone meant something a whole lot to you who was a mentor to you. It, it can be something else. It can be how you were graced by serving him, like Jenny's testimony. You know, how you uh, are touched by God, you can determine that. And again, we have these fanning the flame cards. And, and again, you might want to use these out there and then come back and share about how you blessed someone's life and gave them this and were able to share about the love of God and maybe the church, not necessarily Brookwood, but just the love that a church could offer to someone who might need it. So I want to challenge uh, everyone who's in Sunday school to do this. We do this often in worship, but over the summer months, I want to ask each of you to, to push yourselves a bit. And when your teacher asks you to share the following Sunday, do just that. But I want to take it a step further. I want to challenge you to write out your own story of grace with Jesus. And I want you to do it in two formats. One that's 15 to 20 seconds long, and then one that's three minutes, around two to three minutes. And just write it out. I love, Jenny, how you read yours today. That's great. That's, that economizes the words, gets to the point, and that may be, be the way you want to do that in Sunday school class. However you want to do it, just, just write it down and get it into your head a bit. Now, a 15-second one, are you kidding, 15 to 20 seconds? Well, here's mine, because I forced myself to write it out the other uh, day. I was raised in a Christian home, but I was a skeptic by nature. With the help of good teachers and Christian role models, the reality of Christ and his grace became real to me. I gave my life to him, and my life has had incredible fulfillment because of it. Okay, that's kind of mundane, might be seemingly bland, but you know what? That is my doxology in capsule. I mean, that is my story with Jesus. And if that's the story I have with Jesus, that's something to be celebrated. That's something to go out and share. It's not, why would you want to keep that to yourself? Even, even if it doesn't seem as dramatic as a Ralph Garth uh, uh, testimony or something. So what? It's the doxology for you that you experienced in capsule form. So get out there and do that. Simply, it's, it's a gift, but also keep in mind it glorifies God as you do that. And that's really the second thing I would want to say is when you share it, you are glorifying God. If your story is true, if your story with Jesus is true, then the life experience you've been blessed with, then you need to share it. When you share it, it is a form of worship. It is glorifying God. And worship does come before missions. But here you can combine the two. And again, you don't do it out of obligation. You do it out of doxology, thanksgiving for what Jesus has done for you. Why keep that to yourself? You know, even if nothing seems to happen, if there is resistance or if you think it just falls flat, 
you know what? As you share it, you are glorifying God. I love to talk about William Carey. He is my hero of missions. People call him the father of modern missions. And it was in uh, April, uh, April, it was in April, uh, which means opening and buds and all that. April's already asleep, isn't she? Bless her heart. Okay, that, that, there's, you're not the only one. Okay. <laughs> but it was in April of 1793 that William Carey and his family went on a boat from England over to India, never to go back. And here he is over there ministering, and eventually he had just this incredible, incredible ministry there. Experienced all kinds of hardship, the death of uh, one wife, and then later on a second wife, the death of a child. Had all kinds of things, but the one that really blows my mind is that it took nearly 10 years for him to baptize his first convert. Think about that. He's left home, he's experiencing hardship each and every day, he's trying to learn agriculture and all these other things as he ministers and prepares sermons all the time and all this. It took 10 years. But if you read what he's about, he said, that doesn't matter. As long as I'm doing this for the sake of Christ, I'm glorifying him. That's what I'm called to do. I love that perspective. You know what? If a convert doesn't ever come along for me, as long as I'm glorifying him and worshiping as I go because I'm sharing the story, that's what matters. And I should let God do the rest of the work anyway. I love his quote of expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. You've probably heard that. And I love breaking that down because he knew to expect great things from God because he had already received the greatest thing from God, which was eternal life. And so because of that, he was willing to attempt, just attempt things for God. You know, I remember a generation ago, a lot of people like to talk about winning souls for Christ. We're going to be soul winners. The thing that hesitates me a bit on that is we need to put emphasis on that it's, it's the sovereign God's power who brings about the salvation. Now, we can be vehicles of that, agents of that, but again, it's God doing the work. So I like his perspective, not so much being soul winners and depending on ourselves so much, but just expecting great things from God because of what he gave us originally through eternal life, but then at least attempting, in very small ways perhaps, sharing the gospel with others and trusting that God's going to work just by our glorifying him by going out there and doing it. If it seems to fall flat, that's fine. God's going to use that in some way. You have empowered that moment for God's work, and that's so important, at least attempt to do that. But there's a third reason I want to go to, and this is my final thing. There is power in what you say. When you share your story with Jesus in whatever in-depth way or whatever superficial way you do, there is power in what you say, no matter how mundane you might think it is, no matter how small of an effect you think it might be. Martin Luther is very helpful with this, and I always share this in my preaching class. Martin Luther when we talk about the theology of the Word of God and how it relates to preaching and simply sharing the gospel, he said that there are three manifestations of the Word of God. Now watch this. First of all, he says that there is the uh, incarnate Word, which is Jesus, the Son of God. He's the incarnate Word. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And obviously he goes next to what? The Holy Scripture, the written Word of God. But this is the one that fascinates me. He talks about what? The proclaimed Word. He says that there is the word of God when the word of God is simply proclaimed, whether it's from a lectern or pulpit or just informally. When you're proclaiming the word of God, that is 
the Word of God, which shortly after uh, Martin Luther began to teach this, you had uh, the Second Helvetic Confession, which came along. You don't need to know all the history behind that, but it became one of the most significant Christian confessions we've ever had in 1562. And one thing that it says in there is this, the preaching of the Word of God is the Word of God. Now, I want you to think about that, because we are empowered by the Holy Spirit that when we are sharing about Jesus to other people, we are a part of a fascinating dynamic where this is the word of God that we're encountering right here. I don't know if that makes sense. I hope that's significant to you. Just like Holy Scripture, just like Jesus himself, we can be a part of this dynamic encounter where we are a part of the word of God. Now, in one sense, I'll tell my students that in preaching class, and they're thinking, oh, man, what a responsibility. i got to get up there, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be a vehicle of the word of God. Yeah, but that's so cool. But because really, no matter how feeble your attempt is, as you fumble along and try to share the gospel of your own life and your own experience with Jesus, it can make an incredible difference. And it's really something that's really trustworthy, that he is, he is working in and through you even in the most mundane of moments. Again, as William Carey would say, attempt it, at least attempt it, and then let God work. Uh, I think of Isaiah 55, 11, which I read at the very beginning of the service. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I was sent, for which I sent it. Go to the, this is how I learned it. Go to, the, go to this last slide here. The word of God will not return void. That's the way. Any of y'all learn it that way? The word of God, yeah, good old translation. The word of God will not return void. If you share it, even in some small way, it will not return void. Do we really trust that? And what's amazing is you might be making a difference in a way that you, you didn't realize you would or that you even expected. When I mentioned the name Lee Strobel, how many of y'all know who I'm, what I'm talking about or who I'm talking about? Uh, you might have heard of the book Case for Christ, which is a fantastic book, wonderful way to reach people. A very engaging writer and speaker, uh, got his degree in journalism from Northwestern and then got uh, his uh, legal degree, law degree from Yale, became legal editor of the Chicago Tribune. His wife began going to church, which he hated because he was an atheist, but then he kind of got, got pulled in and then from a journalistic perspective, he went and spoke with biblical scholars and he became convinced that Jesus is who he says he is and what scripture says about him. And he was so moved by that that he gave his life to Jesus. Now, why am I talking about all this? Soon after he became a believer, he went on staff at Willow Creek Church. Many of you have heard of that. It's in Evanston, Illinois. And um, he began to work there. Well, one Sunday, a guy came up to him after the service and said, Hi, I just wanted to thank you. And he said, well, thank me for what he said. Uh, I was sharing with my small group last week. We were assigned to share what individual uh, made the biggest spiritual impact on our lives. And I talked about you, and I just wanted to thank you. Well, Lee was very embarrassed because he didn't know who the guy was. And he said, well, I'm really sorry. I know this is a big church, but I can't recall your name. And the guy said, oh, you've never met me. He said, you've never met me. He said, oh, okay, well, what's, what's the story? Well, Lee had gone to, while he was at Willow Creek, he had felt led to go and share uh, his story, his gospel story, with someone at the Chicago Tribune. And he so didn't want to go back there, a bunch of cynical, jaded, journalistic people and everything. And this guy was an administrator there, but he, he, he kept sensing God leading him to go back and talk to this guy. And, uh, uh, and so, you know, finally he made the appointment, though he didn't know why, uh, he was doing that, and he went, and he sat down with this guy, 
who had been so resistant to anything religious, uh, and, and Lee had known this guy for 20 years, and the guy listened. He wasn't rude, but very politely at the end, he said, Lee, that's just not for me. I'm sorry. I don't think in those terms. I don't embrace it. Thanks for coming, but no. And, and, and Lee left thinking, well, that was great. You know, why did God have me go do that? That was a major fail. Okay, fast forward, this guy at the church, who's not that guy, comes up to him and says, I just wanted to thank you. You've made more of a spiritual impact on me than anybody else, and my wife, and my two kids. And Lee was like, "Uh, do we know each other? No. He said, you know, you came back to the Tribune one time, and you need to understand, I'm a handyman, but suddenly uh, the company I worked for uh, just laid me off, and I couldn't find work, and I got into really bad shape. And I had a friend at the Tribune, and I called, and this guy said, well, I know you're, you're good at fixing a lot of things. Just come along. We'll find work for you and just pay you as we can. He said, thank you so much. Well, he was laying tile in a cubicle one day, laying tile in a cubicle, and he started overhearing this conversation. And it was Lee Strobel sharing with this guy. And Lee, went, and Lee talked for a long time. He kind of shared, really, the, the, the summary of his book, The Case for Christ, and how he came to know Christ through that. And he, and he told Lee Strobel, this guy, he said, I just kept listening, and then I just put my tools down, and I, and I just hung on every word. He said, when you were finished, I know you left, but, but I just sat there and thinking. I thought, I want that. That is what I need in my life. And so the next week, I came here to Willow Creek Church, and that was... 12 years ago, but I came here and became a believer, and then I went and shared the gospel with my wife, and then my two kids, I shared my story with Jesus with them, and they, we, we all go here now, so I wanted to thank you. <laughs> and Lee just said he was dumbfounded. Had no idea that this gospel could be overheard in that way and make a difference. You know, sometimes maybe as you're sharing your story with someone, it might not even be that person who's as touched as someone who is overhearing or seeing by chance what you're doing. So will you be willing to join into this and and fan the flame of the gospel by sharing your story? Will you join us with that? Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for the difference your son Jesus makes. We thank you for how he has impacted our lives. We thank you especially for his grace, which we so do not deserve, and yet it is showered upon us each and every day. We give you thanks that no matter who we are, what we've done, uh, where we might be in our station in life, you are there for us. Whether we are infants uh, like April or, or moving on in our 80s, 90s, you're, you're, you're there for us no matter what, and we give you thanks for that. Reason enough for us to glorify you by sharing our gift of salvation with others. Empower us, enable us to do that, and help us to have the courage to do so, even if it seems so every day, even if it seems uncomfortable, even if we're just certain it's going to fall flat, help us to trust that it will not return void. We pray for these students, oh God, as they head on to college and ask that they would recall that as they are living out your gospel, being examples of your gospel, sharing it, that they will trust that it will not return void either. So be with us during this time of decision, O God, and we pray that we would commit ourselves all the more to celebrating the story that you're letting us be a part of. We're just simply grateful to be a part of it. We pray these things in your name. Amen.